uh, Thanksgiving what? episode. Yes, it is. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And happy day of morning for everyone else. <laughs> okay. All right. I will. I will get into that. You, yeah, you, you kind of got to get into that one because there's just, I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the world, so I don't know <laughs> what you're referring to. There's, there's multiple oh, levels that could be dealing. It'll, it'll with, become, uh, it'll become clear very quickly where that is going today. Okay. I'm going to go over the origin of the U.S. holiday Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm on board. I'm on board. You explain to the listeners the official origins so i mean, I, I assume we're not going to start with uh with a, a plymouth rock landing on us right well i'll kind of just get into it i'll okay. get into it make it a speedy episode so people can get back to the party get back yeah we'll get back to to, to, to that delicious stuffing which is my favorite by the way if we're going to be anecdotal uh, i only care about stuffing in fact one once i became like a teenager i actually forced my family to get rid of the turkey because we just didn't care about it and replace it with a second thing of stuffing. So we used to have two types of stuffing on the table in lieu of a turkey. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the stuffing. I don't think I could have ever convinced someone to get rid of the turkey. I'm glad you have that type of I was a very persuasive, family. I was a very persuasive yeah. teenager at that point. So, But I, I, I agree. Uh, I, the stuffing is delicious. Nothing beats a homemade stuffing. Okay. So... Thanksgiving. If you're not an indigenous person, the origins of Thanksgiving that you heard in school probably go something along the lines of local Native Americans, unidentified by tribe, teach pilgrims how to live in a new place, then welcome the courageous pioneering pilgrims to a celebratory feast and then disappear so colonists can make America great. Probably somewhere along the lines of that most of us have heard. Native Americans specifically the Wampanoags, today remember the day pilgrims arrived as a deep mourning, as a day of deep mourning rather than a moment of thanks. And since the 1970s, indigenous people commemorate the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday as a national day of mourning to acknowledge genocide, land theft, and cultural erasure. The message here is clear. A 12,000-year-old civilization didn't concede to colonialism. They were ravaged by it it's really amazing i mean i i don't think i've ever thought about what indigenous people do um on thanksgiving before neither did i no i had no idea so you're definitely opening up a a whole new window of uh of thought here because i i i honestly out of everything i've ever thought about i've never considered that for some people this day would be something to yeah, like a moment of solace, like a, a moment of like loss, regret. Yeah, that's just wow. That's wild. And you say the Wampanoag. Yeah, I was like, whoa, super familiar for us on the East Coast. But uh, yeah, because they're the ones at the first Thanksgiving, right? They're the ones that we learned about, right? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Yeah, this is this is kind of zeroing in on their okay on their culture, their history, and wow, it it's it's that it's that day. But then, what also some of the stuff was going into is what I just read. You know, what we all learned in school, you have indigenous people in our schools. They have to sit through this and learn about this, knowing that it's false, knowing mm. that it's been sterilized. So it's really an it's really a sad reality for so many of us that um and and, and they just kind of endure it in silence while the rest of us never even think about it, as you just said. Wow. Mm. So, so you have that. So 
those are the two accounts, right? And the difference in those accounts is accuracy. The account of the Wampanoags factors in the massacres, disease, and Native American tribal politics that shaped the alliance between pilgrim and indigenous people. It's the difference between a sterilized history and the truth. The sterilized history lies about the reality of an entire civilization. And to retell that lie in schools across the country harms the Wampanoag whose lives and society were forever changed after the English arrived in Plymouth in 1620. So I have a little bit of history here. You want me to dive in? Are we going into a history of the pilgrims or a history of Plymouth Rock in particular? Or know, the was there even a rock? Was there even, I actually heard, I've actually read that there is a rock if you go to Plymouth, what is it, Plymouth, Massachusetts, where they take you, like it's like where the tourists go, but that rock is not actually where they landed. They, they, they never actually landed on a rock, apparently. I don't know. And they were aiming for Delaware anyway. So, you know, oh, well, I mean, how many, I mean, how many Europeans didn't really understand where they were heading to? I mean, they're, I mean come on now. What are you? <laughs> it's a surprise. It's not that surprising, but sure, sure. They weren't even, they weren't even aiming for what is now Massachusetts, Massachusetts colony. All right. So I'm going to dive into a little history here. So we've covered this on a previous uh, Thanksgiving episode that detailed the contributions of the Iroquois Nation to the U.S. Constitution. So go check that out in the episode description if you're interested. But the Wampanoags had a century of contact with Europeans before the Mayflower. Some already spoke English and some had even visited Europe, right? We've talked about this before. So in 1620, when the pilgrims landed in December and lost half of their settlers that first winter, the Wampanoag chief was already well aware of who these folks were and even knew the organizers of the pilgrims' venture. So he had some empathy for them, but he also saw it as an opportunity and offered them an alliance. You see, the Wampanoags had just been decimated by an epidemic disease that was introduced by other Europeans, because again, these weren't the only folks they ever met, and they lost around 90% of their population in what they call the Great Dying. So they can't defend themselves against their rivals, the Narragansetts. And apologies if I'm getting some of these names wrong. And the settlers... Wait, Narragansett, um, are those the Narragansett? That's a tribe. Okay, okay, right. Okay, there we go. Okay, so it's, uh, it's, the, it's, the, chief, it's the primary rival of the Wampanoags. Gotcha. gotcha. At the time, okay. Okay. right? So they can't defend themselves against them. Because they just lost 90% of their population to this pen, this epidemic. But the settlers can't defend or feed themselves that first year. So in exchange for a unified defense, the Wampanoag taught the English how to hunt, plant crops, and harvest so they didn't starve to death. And that lasted for about as long as the settlers needed it to. Because for the next 50 years, the alliance was consistently violated by colonists as they expanded their footprint, which spread disease, and exhausted their surrounding resources. Eventually, the chief's son took over, and not surprisingly, he felt like the alliance maybe was being taken advantage of if there was even an alliance at all right he didn't really feel like the like the the settlers or the colonists at this point were honoring what they had agreed on uh, agreed to at all and that kind of led to the relationships souring a little bit so you can imagine that perhaps a unified defense was no longer needed by the colonists and that they most likely didn't need to be taught how to survive anymore. So that whole containment of the original agreement probably seemed unnecessary to the colonists. 
And they felt like they could kind of do whatever they want. I mean, they went there and they probably had that attitude. We can probably relate to that to some degree. In fact, it might have even been a version of Manifest Destiny that we covered in a previous episode where they saw it as their mission in life to expand across this new land. So that brings us to to 1675. Colonists demand that the Wampanoag turn over all of their guns and hung three men from the tribe for the murder of one of their colonists that told the Plymouth colony that the tribe was planning an attack. And for the Wampanoag and team and, and, and community, that was the last straw. The Wampanoag refused and united with the surrounding tribes, including the Narragansett. And this uprising is known as King Philip's War or the Great Narragansett War. Now, King Philip's War... It's funny because I feel like you hear that you hear about that, or either maybe it's been referenced in a Disney movie or or something. But I, I feel like that that gets referenced a lot. The problem with American history is that we we definitely gloss over these quite quickly. Uh, you you know the French and Indian War you hear about it for like a segment. You know it's like two weeks you study it and then you it just goes away. Uh, this is one of those like you hear about oh yeah King's Philip War. I mean it 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 it, it resonates like I I'm like I've heard of this war before. But I could not tell you what it was about. I couldn't tell you when it occurred, and uh, and I guess that's what you're you're helping uh, fill in right now is uh, a little bit of some of these gaps because yeah. I I consider myself a person who likes history, but I'll be honest. I mean, yeah, some some of this the early American settler history is probably some of my my, my least favorite. It, it, to me, it's it, it usually feels a little dry, but it's only dry probably because of the way that we talk about it, where we're not talking about it from the vantage point of the people that are actually being abused. You know, it it seems dry if you're just talking about a bunch of pilgrims that are seeking religious persecution, you know, what is it, a lift of religious persecution, and then they just taught about, you know, have a dinner with a couple of native peoples, and then... uh, and then I guess go go on their merry way doing their their own uh, religious thing until uh till like you know the start of the well the interesting the, the interesting parts of history there. go on yeah but the interesting parts of history and it's you know maybe a sad statement it would be great if they were amazing achievements that that, that does happen and those are things that we celebrate but generally the things that are humans are the things that humans are drawn to about history are is the violence is the is the war is the conquering right those are the things that get documented especially by the winners yeah, absolutely absolutely but and, and but again, the problem here the problem here this is still a war is that this is our history and, and and this is still very ongoing and the people that would have suffered if we start to learn about the true history here they're still around right. they still live here we still have responsibilities and yeah and obligations um to them so i i think that you probably find the history uninteresting because things are being intentionally left out because we don't want to be accountable. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. Completely agree. So another interesting fact about King Philip's War, because I certainly didn't know this, maybe you did, is that Philip is actually the name that the that the Europeans call the chief. I did not I, know. I, I, I just thought that. King Philip was some dude <laughs> I in Europe. Was a dude in Europe. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, I guess they, you know, they're like, I hear, I hear what you say your name is, but we're going to call you Philip. And they, they call him King Philip, and that's wow. King Philip's war. Isn't okay, that crazy? Wow. Yeah, no, I had no idea. I, I, if someone had asked me just to venture a guess, I would have said, oh, I don't know, uh, 
some sort of monarch in Europe decided to claim something and, uh, you know, decided, you know, that there was a war for it, but never in a million years would I have thought that King Philip was one of the, one of the, uh, one of the, na- like, yeah, like a chief it's, of one of the tribes. What I, it's, never, it's, never. It's what I read. Years. If I got that wrong, folks, let me know. Happy to retract it. But that's, that's what I understood. Well, I hope you didn't get that wrong. I mean, it's the, the it's like the quintessential <laughs> positioning of the, of the story you're trying to tell i hope i hope you're right here i'm pretty sure i'm right okay um, all right but when enough. something is so shocking you do you do feel a little bit of doubt oh absolutely so, no without a doubt yeah all right so the war king philip's war this is the uprising these this is the native americans saying with one voice no and for the next 14 months colonists burned villages and thousands of indigenous people were killed and sold into slavery, including women and children. In the end, the tribes lost. They were defeated. And the Wampanoag chief was hanged, drawn and quartered, and his head was placed on a spike at Plymouth Colony for two decades. I wonder if they have that on the tour. No. <laughs> definitely going to say, I mean, it's horrible to laugh at something. You're laughing out of nervousness. The, yeah, it is. The it's a idea. The idea did you just say for two decades two decades that is crazy i mean the only thing i can think of happened yeah that popped into my head was the city of munster in um in germany yeah yeah do you remember i showed you that one time the cages that they had hanging for the people that they put there and the cages are still there today i mean they don't have the rotting dead corpses in there but i think they kept those in there for a long time but that's the only thing that i could like be like okay like there's another human behavior that does something horrific. Um, but can you imagine head on a spike for two decades? That's crazy. I mean, what a statement to the, the surrounding, you know, the, the, the remnants are the, the, yeah, the, the leftover, uh, the people who basically survive. I mean, Jesus, you have to watch that. I mean, you have to, we can't even imagine having to live with that kind of, uh, you know, open humiliation. Um, not, not from losing. I'm just saying like the fact that you're, you're not, it's <laughs> the winners are never gracious. How about that? They're never like, you know, yeah, we've won, but the you know there's some. It's always like we we're gonna step on your throat. It's like not only did we defeat you, but we want to humiliate you for as long as possible. Which is um yeah, that's that seems to be the nature of mankind. I I do feel like there is a question to be asked here. The pilgrims, they're never. And that's this is what I think is really funny. Are they still pilgrims at this point? Like, or were they still considered the pilgrims? Like, were the, was this their religious doctrine? They're still pilgrims, or is this uh, like more Europeans have come over and like expanded the colony, or the like? I mean, they're settlers, right? Uh, it's also, it's also more like the nature of their their mission. Right. I, okay. Um, once they're here and the generations are here and asking. new waves come over, are they really pilgrims on a on a on a literal journey? You know, I, well, I, I don't didn't mean know. it. I didn't mean it for that. Well, we when we call them pilgrims, it's not in like the um. You know the colloquialism of uh i don't know pilgrimage to mecca or something of that nature like you know some sort of um like the, like a journeyman you know connotation i always thought that the pilgrims in this in this like place in this time in history were a, a certain religious sect that was fleeing from europe or they they might have a different uh, like a real historical different name like maybe pilgrims is like Something that was like colloquially, well, they're like up. they're like Puritans, right? I mean, well, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, or are they? I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't. I actually don't know much about this 
part of history. Yeah, they're they're, just, I, I, they're, they're Protestants. They're, they're Protestants. They're just Protestants. They're oh, okay. Yeah, so they're, they're like they're, but they're like Puritans, oppression. but they're like this sect that broke away. Right and now, they're like the, protesting in their Protestants. The, the, right, that's what I thought. But it, the thing is, in our history books, you know, I don't think there's ever a point. And here, you know, we're we're older. I hope maybe today kids are learning something a little different, but. They are definitely never depicted as being particularly violent in any way, shape, or form. I mean, that it, it's no. always looked at as some sort of like peaceful religious exodus. Because except the, for those witch hunts, no, <laughs> witch well, hunts didn't I mean, do them yeah. any favors. Well, well, those were those were um, Salem. Were yeah, I guess you're right. Those are those are pure dispute. But yeah, I mean, there is violence later, but I'm just saying in this period, like no one. Put, puts the pilgrims as like a warring faction or someone who is i mean that's not war, i mean i could right? see that but they but they were they were at war with the with the native americans like they well that's what yeah i mean that that's that's what we know today i mean that's so, the true history of it. i'm just saying that when we do but i'm saying like you, yeah parade, you could shatter it instantly just with logic and say well if they had a unified defense with the wampanoag against the wampanoag's chief rivals clearly yeah. they were a violent people because they would have had to yeah, in that war to with the rivals uh, yeah it's just not i'm just saying like even in the imagery even in the cartoon imagery in the illustrations i mean they're always depicted as these guys with like white long stock like stockings and like you the, know, buckle the, the, the buckle on their hats buckle on the hats i mean yeah, they're never it, depicted as people who were like picking up guns and going to war. That's what, they're not depicted as soldiers. They're depicted as, um, yeah, like I said, like almost like a in a, in a pacifist type of, uh, yeah, like of a painting. You know, like I feel like they're always yeah. painted as like you. You would assume. I think if you asked your average American, hey, were the Pilgrims pacifists without giving any kind of historical context or talking about anything else? just in like the knee jerk because of the way our education system is framed i think most americans who are obviously not not as long as you're not a native person most you know other yeah like i get yeah, other americans might just say yeah oh yeah like without thinking they'll just be like oh of course the pilgrims are pacifists i mean they they were all about peace i mean that's why they sat down to you know enjoy that that meal with um yeah, these we'll, we'll get into we'll get, we'll get we'll get into the the myths yeah. of it all just saying that's wild you're absolutely it, right yeah it's yeah. it's it's a good call out. I mean, that's kind of what this whole, the point of this episode is, is to deconstruct our modern tradition to understand what's real, what isn't, and where it came from and why. Let us continue down this journey. So this just happened, right? The, 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 the uprising is quelled. It's put down. Leaders are punished. We just went over that. And this war forever shifts the balance in the region from uh, in power in favor of the colonists. And it's this deterioration of relationships, this brutal war, and the Wampanoag's reality of adaptation and survival over the past 400 years since that aren't covered by the Thanksgiving myth. But you might be asking yourself, hey, did I hear anything about a dinner in that story? No, you did not. Now, there's an argument that one feast of note in the fall of 1621 might have been to celebrate the first harvest after the pilgrims arrived, right? There's like evidence of that. Right. Uh, that, but that's what I thought was the the meal that is traditionally used as the wellspring of the myth mm -hmm. of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Is that yeah. meal in particular? Yeah. That specific meal, but nothing of substance or context from that meal made its way to modern traditions because there's nothing really to tell. We know about it from a brief mention in a letter. I'll read you everything written by English colonist Edward Winslow that is the sole reference to a feast that our entire holiday is based on, so you can see how it's been dramatized and politicized as time has gone on. And I quote, Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, so that we might after have a special manner rejoice together. 
after we had gathered the fruits of our labor. They four in one day killed as much fowl and with a little help beside, served the company almost a week. At which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms. Many of the Indians among us, uh, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and amongst the rest of their great king, Massasoit, with ninety, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. So it's a really clunky thing to read. It's a really clunky thing to to absorb in modern day. But after looking at this, you will notice that it's just an obscure event that was briefly mentioned in a letter. It wasn't a grand plan. It wasn't a tradition. It wasn't a Thanksgiving. And it wasn't repeated. It was a one-time event that just that one, that just had that one paragraph to describe it. It didn't acknowledge any specific celebration or reason to take note other than the harvest was in and there was plenty of food to go around. And it's not like this event like swept through the settlements and became a holiday of the era. Well, I don't think it did either. I mean, it's not taught that way. I want to be fair. We can be critical of our system, but the system did not teach it as something that was reoccurring. It is taught as a one-off thing, usually at the end of the first year that the pilgrims had arrived and where they were starving and then it was like the unification, like you said, of, of which I guess it in our you know in our way we're taught about it, especially because you're usually taught about Thanksgiving when you're quite young. You're taught about it as something that helped save the pilgrims' lives; otherwise, they would have perished. In reality, what we're, we're most likely celebrating is that treaty. We're celebrating an alliance between uh, between these people against the Narragansett with the pilgrims. That's probably what the real Thanksgiving meaning happens to be. So you're right. The, the the idea it's, of a, but yeah of but like joint but, dinner is probably just like but what you just said like you have to put that into context because what you just said is like easy to gloss over and then categorize as something to to celebrate in a sense i mean at best at best the best that i can wrap my head around after reading all this stuff is that it is a diplomatic dinner it is a diplomatic dinner Correct. between yeah. two new allies that are still feeling Correct. each other out. Right. These people live 30 miles from each other. It took two days to meet. So that's, it was like, yeah, well, I mean, that's nothing, but I'm saying they're not like, time. they're not like together all the time. Right. These are, these yeah, meetings and, aren't often. Right. And so they're still feeling each other out and they barely, they can barely communicate with one another. So it would be like similar. This is where I took it. It'd be similar if you had world leaders meeting today. Right. They're, you just struck a treaty or an agreement and they get to, they sit down and they have a dinner and no one is creating holidays between trade partner agreements. Like this wasn't anything of note. This was mentioned briefly in a letter. Yeah. And it wasn't a thing at the time. There's no contemporary sources echoing this. No, it's no. It's not a big deal. It, right. But, but I, th- I mean, we don't, again, we do not, no one teaches it as if it were this is the this it, they teach it as this is like the underpinnings for why we celebrate thanksgiving but nobody no nobody teaches it as you know th- this is where thanksgiving started and it kept going from here on out because it, thanksgiving is a relatively new holiday i think it, well, I, I'll, get into that. Our I'll get into yeah, you'll get into that yeah it's but i'll get into that because because what i'm trying to do is strip out the fantasy for what this is because you're if you're saying that this 
meal that we shared is the underpinning for everything that we add on to it today and that we say it represents, it is an unfair sterilization of what happened to Native Americans after that. This was not, this was not a joyous community of brotherly love. Like this was not, this wasn't that it was at any time, basically what you're saying. saying it It never was. It never was. Right. It, it was, was always a just tenuous alliance. A diplomatic yeah. meeting. These people right. hardly knew each other. They were in it for self-preservation, probably on both sides. And that yeah. was it. Okay. And then to use no that, because what no we'll get into, to, no, to yeah. use that as, re- we'll get into it. We'll get into why it's so dangerous to think about it in the way that we do. So even just adding to this, right, really quick, because we talk about Thanksgiving in the way that we celebrate today. For a while in colonial America, English people were celebrating various Thanksgivings. Like the whole idea of Thanksgivings wasn't just one particular day. You would have these things, Thanksgivings, for various reasons. But the English didn't actually feast. They fasted during these. Okay. Like it wasn't even a thing to eat to celebrate some of this stuff. But now I'll fast forward to 1769, where, so like over 100 years later. So a group of pilgrim descendants who lived in Plymouth felt like their cultural authority was slipping away as New England became less relevant with the colonies and early republic forming, and they wanted to boost tourism, right? People were caring less. So they invented the idea that the pilgrims were the fathers of America and wrote a story for publication, a tourism booklet, an advertisement, if you will. And in that story, the publication mentioned a dinner and in a footnote said, and I quote, this was the first Thanksgiving, a great festival of New England, unquote. People saw that footnote. They accepted it. And they started celebrating the feast because, hey, it's something to do, a reason to have a party. And eventually, Abraham Lincoln, around the same time, declared it a holiday during the Civil War right, to foster unity after the Battle of Gettysburg. Right. And this is where we get the notion of our harmonious unity attribute to the story. This is gotcha. where you lean in to something that was never there right? because we needed it as a nation. We needed the lie to mend. And right. that's how most myth, that idea. That's, that's what most myth is. That I mean, this is how most myths I get, are created. But it's different from most myths because the impact is detrimental to people who still exist. Is that different from most myths? Well, in terms of myths that are being generated right now. <laughs> gotcha. I don't know about. I think we can go around the world and talk about that. But yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so that most. How about this? Most nationalistic myths are at the expense of someone else. I can say that with great authority. I can say that the majority of nation-building mythos are built on the bones of our enemies, most likely. I'm not talking about just America. Just say any country, if you have a nation-building myth, something that is foundation to the creation of your country state, or like as you know it today, most likely it is it is built on the bones of the ashes of your of your of your former foes no argument there no argument there good good call out so then skipping ahead a little bit after lincoln declares that this is a harmonious harmonious unity holiday to fit um his need at the time in the 19th century immigration started to pick up in the u.s and with immigration comes emerging of cultures but white Protestants didn't want that at all. So they injected steroids into the Thanksgiving story and leaned heavily into the narrative that Native Americans gave the land to the pilgrims, which emphasized a national founding 
because we didn't have that founding myth, so to speak. So we needed that national founding and establish pilgrim culture as national culture. Right. The 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 Puritan beliefs, the rigidness, the conservative nature of it all that became the natural culture. And it worked. Yeah, it's what and they it used picked up, right? Is, that's is that they were referred to, I think, as, as they referred to themselves as like nativists at that time. Is this what you're you're talking about mostly then? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know all of the factions yeah, of an yeah. of a, of that, so I yeah. I can't speak gotcha. you know, academically fine. to that, but yeah, um, yeah. I think that that's probably playing into it. Anyone, if you've um, seen Gangs of New York. <clears throat> It, it, it's basically like a microcosm of sort of what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, and I think that that's kind of the point is that the story was warped several times to fit the needs of some powerful people or entities. Um, but we're too in the dark to realize that. So it, again, we'll get to exactly why this is all detrimental. So you have all of that, in terms of uh, the immigration story, the Protestants taking this as a national founding, taking the established pilgrim culture and making it a national culture, and it worked. It was used repeatedly going forward after this, like I said, by powerful interests, powerful entities, not even just individuals, to really justify aggression towards Native Americans, immigrants, and non-white races, especially during Reconstruction. And why this was so effective was that it's because of what it did to the general public. It allowed people to sleep easy knowing that the founding of the country originated in a bloodless colonialism and not the Indian wars or slavery, right? So each of these powerful interests added myths to the original brief mention in that single letter of that obscure dinner, a fantasy of harmonious unity between allies, several instances of bursting as if Native American history started when colonists arrived. I mean, the whole story of Native Americans here is the way it's taught is when we arrive, when we find this land. Yeah. And then exactly replacing, right. replacing Native culture with European sur- superiority and bloodless submission to Europeans. These are all of the things that have been woven into this story when you start to really understand how it's being told and what's being said. So it's not that we can't have a Thanksgiving. Thanksgivings as a feast or dinner have been around as long as humans have had a harvest or something to celebrate. To invent a mythology that ignores the past and current pain and suffering of indigenous people that are alive and part of our country today is the ongoing tragedy of it all. We need to academically recognize and teach the historical relationships between colonists and and indigenous people and how that has shaped our modern society. And it's basically, you know, the longer we shield ourselves from these truths, the longer the damage will continue. So here's the thing. This was all. I mean, this is. I think you've you've positioned it very well. There's going to be somebody out there who catches wind of this, and their immediate response is, "Okay, well, I had nothing to do with that. My my family had nothing to do with that. We're immigrants, what what have you? We we landed here in like 1920, 1870 something. It's well, 1870 something. You probably did have something to do with it. But so let's say <laughs> 1940 something, 1950. Let's say you're 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 most people are just saying, you know, I. I don't want to have something besmirch this joyous holiday of me not celebrating some 
aspect of American history, but rather as uh, me celebrating the uniting of my family and friends and uh, and the giving and the sharing and all the the goodness that comes. Have your Thanksgiving. No, that's what I'm trying to say. Like what what? Well, I that's what that, I said. But that's what I just said on. is you can still have your Thanksgiving, but in the beginning. What I had said is you cannot continue to retell the lie in schools. Have your Thanksgiving. Give your thanks to your family. Well, do that. Do you, yeah, but I guess what I'm trying to say is how do you – you know, we have a battle right now going on, especially at the lower education level, like at, at your elementary schools. This, this is the argument that parents will, will come with. They'll say that – uh, So I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you about to tell me that Americans can't find a way to celebrate on a day of mourning? Because I'm pretty sure we have Memorial Day weekend. Which is used as a thing to, you know, you know white flag wave uh, all the people who survived the war, not necessarily. No, to... that's veteran. That's Veterans Day. Oh. Right? Memorial Day is to honor those who, who have fallen. Dude, Memorial Day is like you come back from sort of some sort of beach vacation. Um, no, I listen. I'm not saying that we are commemorating the holiday correctly, and that people yeah. don't even know the difference to Memorial and Veterans Day. But like what I, I'm like saying I just is the idea that someone cannot. They can't because I'm, I'm the letting idea you know of they giving can't. thanks to their family while also no. recognizing what. You, no. First of all, you need the, the, need... the, the, the hardships of Native Americans. Like, give <laughs> most me likely a break. not. Well, no, no, I'm being realistic here. I'm saying that most people are are not capable of doing that. So what what they what I mean, I guess would you say what if there are two separate holidays? One that sure. was about just getting together with family and friends for the sake of doing so. And then let's say we change Thanksgiving to be something that is more about, you know, similar to, um, you know, Black History Month or, or um, I don't know, something like that. We change Thanksgiving to be something that is more about, you know, it, it, learning about indigenous people, learning about ways that, you know, we can, uh, as Americans, we can sort of make you know, makes an unjust just if there is even a possibility of doing so. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, that's fine. It's fine. Turn... But, it's, but what's critical? Yeah. Like I, all of that is fine. And I maybe you'll agree when I say this. What's critical is that the truth is taught. I don't care what happens. It's almost like with humor, you find things less funny when you actually understand how it hurts. When you understand why something maybe is insensitive, right? You you don't make fun of school shooting victims, right? Most people wouldn't laugh at a, a, a careless joke made about them because it's a tragedy and it's not funny. And maybe after learning about this stuff, shifting around the holidays while still keeping a day for Thanksgiving, adding or shifting or whatever you want to do, reformatting, it may not be that big of a deal because now you've educated an entire generation on the truth. My thing is we'll figure out the holidays the truth needs to be taught. The truth cannot live and die within indigenous peoples, cultures, and communities in like a closed circuit sort of way. Like the fact that I'm reading this stuff and I'm learning stuff for the first time is is I mean, I could say it's appalling, but it's it it it's sad. It's like what a, why haven't I been taught this? Why didn't I know this? Why don't I know it now? Why am I having to find it out on my own? And, and and to add, it's not even new information. This is stuff that's been handed down for generations with these people who have been afflicted by this, that, that suffer this today. So I just don't, yeah, I don't know. Why not, why not make the knowledge more broadly known? That's the thing. Nothing's really 
I have not heard anything that's contesting this within like the the um no, there's nothing discipline of history. The historians, yeah. there's no like no. contesting any of this. No, so why isn't it being taught? I mean, I know why, but like why? I wish I could uh, yeah, I, I I all I was saying, all I was trying to to do here was just to have you say exactly what you just said because you need to flush these things out because it, the knee-jerk opinion look we still fight over columbus day the yeah. italian american league is up in arms over the lessening of that holiday they don't think that the one italian american of, of particular note should be besmirched just because they happen to be a monstrous slave trader. that's what i'm kind of saying though and maybe i don't know how it is with that but are we focusing on the wrong part with the hot does the holiday come after does the education come first if you go in hot and say i'm changing this holiday but no one really knows why is that the is that the car before the horse that's a good point i actually think that's a really good point that's a, that's a great point yeah you're right if yeah if you teach generations about thanksgiving the proper way sure again but this is why i started to bring up the way that but the people who have not been taught this, okay, who are just coming into it as, why are you taking away this holiday? I got it, yeah. They're the ones who they're like gonna be, to they're become gonna be the, school board. The, the loud minority, yeah, right? Yeah, the that loud they minority. Like... They're the ones who like to run for school board, whatever, and they're the ones who are burning the books or, you know, you know, saying that this book who teaches the proper way that Thanksgiving was, you know, went down is is bad and i i prefer this book that just talks about turkeys and peaceful i don't have that that, that's i don't have the answers yeah no it's a a valid point it's i mean tough i mean the 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 realist in me is like tough sorry that real pain is trumping your hurt emotions i mean i'm tempted to call them snowflakes like are you kidding like you don't want the fantasy blemished by reality so you want to ignore the very real pain and suffering that people living today are feeling and have to deal with that they have to choke back their truth in school k through 12 because the teachers have been instructed to say these things about this holiday in this part of history when they know it's wrong because it may hurt someone's feelings and may sour the taste of turkey in their mouth. Like, I, I don't know what to say to that. And when I, it, it was really, <laughs> cause it's like anything, right? It's like you, you hear people talking on TV and when you know something is not true and you're like, that's a, that's a lie. And they're saying it on TV and it's like, that's not true. It, it must be infuriating when awareness was raised with me through reading this stuff that kids were knowingly sitting through school and had to be silent because they're probably the only indigenous person maybe in that classroom. And they have to sit through the false narrative that's being fed to them every time they go over this topic, because it is the patriotic story of this nation for the reasons that we just went over. We needed a founder's myth and we got one and they know it's fake. They know it's a lie and they know it's not even just like a misrepresentation but it is built on the back of atrocity that we've never recognized or won't do it in any way that's meaningful is I, I cannot imagine being a student. I cannot be a student. I don't even want to like, I don't even want to like soften it that way. I cannot being a, uh, imagine being a child and knowing that something was a lie and you having to 
see kids learning the lie and repeating it and celebrating it. I don't know what to do with that. I think that's a really good point. I think that's a really powerful, you know, you're evoking a very big, very powerful imagery with regard to that. So, I mean, I, I think, I think the, I know, not think, I mean, the more people who talk about it, the, the more ubiquitous it becomes and the more the, the, the harder the calls for, you know, having the president Turkey apart, uh, <laughs> the president Turkey apart, and the president parted of Turkey be the main event of the holiday along with a, a parade, you know, the, that is, uh, you know, as you shift the, 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 the consciousness, you know, the, uh, the, the things might change. That's what I'm saying. You, that's what we need to get to. You, that's we have we things to, to give thanks for. We've made strides as a nation. We've done things. We're still things left to do, but there are, there is plenty to celebrate in terms of giving thanks, especially in your own personal thing. But if you want to do a national holiday, there's plenty that we can celebrate. Like, um, like you said, I mean, the thing is that the the idea of these Thanksgivings were ubiquitous. They happened all the time. It wasn't until they needed to be co-opted in order to satisfy a particular agenda that it started to become isolated at the expense of Native people. So, I mean, it's it, again, the more you know about the history, the more the easier it will be to accept that, hey, maybe Thanksgiving doesn't get like doesn't have to happen on this one day. Maybe we can have three during the year and everyone gets their day off to celebrate and hang out with friends and family. How cool would that be? You, there, there are different things that can come out of it. In fact, everyone can benefit out of it. You can, everyone has flo everyone to, has floating Thanksgivings and yeah. whatever's whatever you're giving thanks for personally in your personal network, yeah. you can have your own thanksgiving whenever you want you get floating well, thanksgiving i do i do yeah I do, well i think floating thanksgiving would be fantastic but i also do i do <laughs> like the idea that everybody is off at the same time because i think that that uh you know that that well <laughs> everyone's supposed to be off at the same time there's plenty of people working on thanksgiving unfortunately because black friday you know happened to you know, capitalism you know it, 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 it finds a way but it would be really nice <laughs> if everyone didn't have to work on a single day and you couldn't and nothing was open and everyone really could hang out with family without having to worry it about it can just be a general thanks that we're all here abiding by some version of a social no, but I, yeah but i like yeah but i like the the I, there it gives more weight to it being something that is you know that is basically you know it's it's standardized by the state to say that this is a day that people do not have to do anything you know it's the way that basically like the it. sunday used to be sunday i mean that that's that's the reason that was the one day off for everyone is because you know it has religious undertones but well they had the one day off so that they could go get indoctrinated correct that that's absolutely correct that that's what they did on that one day off that, that's but correct yeah too. yeah <laughs> We, we can't indoctrinate yeah, well, them if they're working all the time. All the time, we yeah. Got to give them a, got to give them a give break. A day off so they could, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're clever, clever, clever people. Yeah, when you have leisure time to think about these things, mm, you can yeah. figure out a way to manipulate people. Well, that was really good. I really like it. Is that is that the end? Is that the that's it? The end of it. Uh, well, that's fantastic. I love it. Well, Jamie, on this glorious Thanksgiving. Where can the listeners find this pod? Folks, we have new clips out every week. Fridays are the full episodes. Like, subscribe, share, comment on YouTube, Twitter, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a happy Thanksgiving, and we're thankful for you. Retraction. Ow.